Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity may contain explicit and objectionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster and are not based on the advice by a licensed therapist. Listener discretion is advised. Human lives follow many paths, presenting twists and turns and choices never planned, never expected. Temptation, anger, depression, loneliness, all can lead a person to a mistake they can't take back. Facing judgment and isolation, a person can feel very alone. These are the voices of women who chose to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. I'm really excited about today's episode. I have an amazing story for you. A woman who had stepped out on her marriage decided to actually write a book. And I am going to share a part of that book today. And then afterwards, I will go ahead and give you her website and contact information. So if you're interested in ordering the book or finding out, you know, where you can get it, then um, you can contact her about it. And I will, of course, also have her website and all of that on the podcast notes. Infidelity. Both women and men alike have found themselves in situations where they have become unfaithful to their spouse or partner. On the podcast, Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity, you hear stories from women who have been unfaithful, but want to share their stories to help others in similar situations or to help other people understand why sometimes infidelity happens. But there is still so much more. How does a man cope when he finds out that his wife, girlfriend, or partner has cheated? What are the reasons why a man chooses to cheat? Are they similar to why a woman does? Or maybe you are the other man or the other woman in a relationship. I knew in my gut that she was still at least chatting with him. She denied it. Our marriage languished. I was miserable. No trust, no romance, no sex. I felt completely unwanted and undesired. About a year later, and still zero sex, my wife left for work and forgot her phone. Not long before that, I happened to see her type her passcode, so I tried it. Unlocked. I knew I was invading her privacy, but my gut told me she was hiding something. She was. To hear the rest of this story, and other stories like this, please visit the website rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com and click on the Patreon link. For a $3 a month pledge, you will get access to these additional episodes, as well as early access to regularly released episodes. If you have a story that you would like to be considered for a future podcast, 
please email rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com. All submissions will always be anonymous. And always remember, no judgment. I would like to share an article with you from Psychology Today, uh, written by Robert Taibbi, LCSW, from Fixing Families. And the name of the article is Six Reasons Why Affairs Eventually Fall Apart. Most affairs only last six to 24 months, why and what they can teach you. This was posted on February 16th of 2020. And I, you know, doing my research and talking with a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of them are asking, you know, can this affair, you know, if I leave my spouse, you know, is it going to work out long term with this person? Or they'll ask me, how many people do I see with the success? And honestly, it's not usually pretty good odds. I mean, there are some people, you know, out there that have made a success of it. But the question always begs, if he cheated or she cheated on her spouse to be with you, what's going to stop them from doing that to you in the future? And also all the pain and everything that happens with affairs when the uh, betrayed spouses find out, and then you're moving on to start a new relationship with the affair partner that, um, you know, the saying, you can't build a foundation from ashes. So, you know, it's, it's always a wish, a hope, everything that, you know, we can last with the new person. But Unfortunately, the odds are never really in our favors if that's the decision we decide to go with. The article reads, While we can think of cases where affairs have eventually turned into healthy marriages, Duke of Windsor, who abdicated the British throne, and Frank Lloyd Wright, the American architect who seemed to have finally found their soulmates, most of us mere mortals don't fare so well. Look up the length of of affairs on Google, and apart from one or two night stands, the consensus is that most run their course in six months to two years. Why? Here are some of the psychological underpinnings to affairs that sabotage their ability to become more than short or long exercises in acting out. One, the, quote, affairing couple is united around shared misery and excitement. Just as Romeo and Juliet were in part pushed together by being united against their feuding families, what often brings the affairing couples together is their shared unhappiness in their partners. The new person understands how I feel, as compared to my partner who doesn't, and like Romeo and Juliet, the beginning of the relationship brings excitement, of getting to know and feeling appreciated by a new person, of sharing your story to an interested listener, the excitement of breaking out, of the boxed in life, of breaking rules, the excitement of new flesh and sex. But eventually all this fades. The talk of misery gets old or dies down. The breaking out turns into being broken out. The backstory is told. The flesh is no longer new. The relationship settles, and when it does, other aspects of each other's personality, unnoticed before, rise to the surface. 
What each finds is another variation of what they don't like in their partners. Three, everyone is on their best behavior. Dating is different from living with someone. The rubbing of lives, the grind of daily routine creates stress, boredom, and a host of normal reactions that couples who see each other for limited amounts of time don't experience because behaviors are held in check. I don't want to spoil this time by talking about blank. The results are not only are they really getting to know each other, normal problems and resentments are swept under the rug, are not resolved, and so only build up over time, usually leading to seemingly out of the blue explosive situations. Number four, oxytocin eventually drops. Oxytocin, the quote, love hormone that bonds people together, that ramps up the sex, that creates that falling in love feeling naturally begins to wane after about nine to 18 months. This is built into evolution, the need for both parties to stop staring into each other's eyes and get back to work. When this happens, sex drops off, the passion and glow begin to fade, This is especially derailing for affairs initially built on physical chemistry. Number five, messiness and misery eventually take over. While some couples and cultures tolerate extramarital affairs, turning an affair to a more permanent relationship eventually turns into a mess for most on a lot of levels. There are children involved or money There can be contentious legal action, which is geared towards emphasizing the worst in all parties. And with this comes stress, guilt, and depression. Number six, the same coping styles are still in place. At some basic level, having an affair is about cutting and running. Yes, some folks feel the affair is only arising because they have exhausted their efforts to improve their partner relationship and it hasn't worked they've given up, and in some ways mentally moved on. But for many others, it's the opposite. They have been unhappy, but truly haven't worked on their partner relationship and problems, and their overall coping style, especially in potentially conflictual situations, is to avoid. These coping styles don't change in the affair. When the going gets tough in the affair, they cut and run again suddenly ending it or moving on to another someone new, and so the cycle continues. Lessons to learn. All this said, and morality aside for a moment, the ending of affairs can leave behind some useful lessons that the individuals can choose to carry forward into their view of themselves and their partnered relationships. For some, it is the ability to see themselves in a new light, one that is less downtrodden, more attractive, and capable than they saw themselves before. This can be affirming, increase their self-esteem, embolden them to not continue to take what they get, but instead be more assertive and decisive. For those who were sitting on the fence about divorce, the affair offered a training wheel relationship that gave them the confidence that they could survive post-divorce, gave them the courage to do what they, in their hearts, have wanted to do for a long time. Finally, while affairs can be seen as bad solutions to other problems 
embedded within them was often the opportunity to understand more clearly what one needed and wasn't getting. What was missing most in their partnered relationship? This information is invaluable and can be folded back into the partnered relationship, into future relationships, making them all stronger. I really like that article. I think that that shares a lot of um, potential information for people that are considering this or some people may be able to relate to it, as I certainly will admit that I can. Um, you know, that beginning part, that exciting, that euphoria you feel, but then it always slides right back down into the regular day-to-day life. It's never going to be a movie, a fantasy movie that they live happily ever after. There's always something going on, you know. Nothing is ever perfect in life or in relationships. So with that, let's move on to today's story. It is called The Last Day I Laughed at Lies, Breaking Free from the Trap of Adultery by the author Sheena Lewis Dorn. And like I said earlier, she actually submitted a piece of her story to me. Um, she It's basically a summary. And uh, she... Um, will be putting this book out, or she may have released it. We had just talked back in December, and uh, when we originally had uh, connected, and I was just really excited to be able to share this with my listeners, and to help her move forward with ha- what happened, and hopefully help her find some success with her book and her story. The Day I Laughed at Lies by Sheena Dorn Summary. My husband and I were pastors in 2014 when we organized a mission trip to Haiti. We invited several other ministers and we took a team to the capital city of Port-au-Prince. We had small group meetings with men and women and larger meetings in the middle of a field where we sang and preached to about 700 Haitians. Jean was one of our team's translators. My husband spent time with him during the week as he translated mostly for the men's gatherings, but he also rode on the bus with us as we traveled around the city going to our various locations. This is where I got to know him initially. I was struck by his friendliness and his intelligence. He had a very endearing quality about him and a number of us were drawn to him. He was deeply impacted by our team spiritually while he translated biblical teachings and ministry. He had been converted to Christianity from the voodoo religion of the island several years before. After we came back home, it was as if I could not stop thinking about how helpful this young, single, intelligent man would be to our ministries in the States. My husband and I had been talking about bringing a single person onto our staff as an intern. We both agreed that this young man would be a perfect fit. So we started working on the immigration process to bring him over as a visitor, but he was denied two times a U.S. visa to travel as a visitor. It was a very costly process and we had to renew his passport and pay immigration fees. Finally, we were able to get him a student visa to come attend a ministry school here in the U.S. 
It took nine months from the time we met him in Haiti until he arrived in the U.S. During that time, I was primarily handling all the administration for his visa. I was also developing a deep bond with him as we began to care more for his material and financial needs. He grew up in great poverty and spiritual darkness, so I spent many hours praying for him and teaching him certain principles of the Bible. He became like a spiritual son to us and actually started calling us mom and dad. Once he arrived in the U.S., he stayed with our family for five days, and then I drove him with the help of another friend to his ministry school in Missouri. It was then that my heart began to experience a different kind of love for him. When I left him in Missouri all the way home, I just could not stop thinking about how much I loved him. Over the course of the next four to five months, my affection for him shifted from maternal to romantic. At the same time, he began to flirt with me and say things to me like, I wish you were single, I would marry you. He even told me one day, I wish you were here with me, I would take you to this park and we could hold hands like lovers. Even though I knew it was completely inappropriate, it was feeding an emotional place in my soul that had already developed romantic feelings for him. So I did not put an end to this inappropriate interaction. By the time he had been away for five months, our feelings for each other grew significantly, but we were still sort of undercover with those feelings. But in August of that year, 2015, he told me that he missed me and wanted to come, quote, home for a visit. I picked him up from the airport a few weeks later. The moment our eyes met in the baggage claim terminal, I knew something seriously was brewing. He hugged me and complimented my appearance. Then we went to get a bite to eat at a nearby mall. When he got out of my vehicle, he scooped me up into an embrace that turned into a kiss. That was the beginning of the end. Within a few days, we were physically intimate for the first time. He left again to go back to school and eventually went back to Haiti as he was required to after his initial school program ended. The next program would be a three-year course of study. I was relieved that he would be 10 hours away for the next three years, believing this would detour any further infidelity. He returned in January of 2016 from Haiti to begin the semester, but to our great disappointment, the scholarship that he was promised from an individual fell through and he was not able to fund his three-year program. His student visa was canceled. Now we were facing a deadline with immigration to change his official status before he was forcibly removed. The day before the deadline arrived, we got a new application turned into USCIS. This gave us a window of time and unfortunately put him back in my city and church. It would be a year and a half before he received a reply from USCIS. During that time, we failed miserably to maintain purity and fell into sexual activity at least once a month. I was desperate to break out from the cycle, but too weak to do so, while also keeping the secret. In May of 2017, we received a decision from USCIS regarding our request to change his status. Denied. 
We tried to apply again and fix what was wrong from the original petition. We thought the decision would take just as long as the first one, but we were wrong. Within a few weeks, we received a second denial. Because of a clerical error on my part, he would not be able to change his status and was required to leave the country by November 2nd, 2017. His only options were to be sponsored by an American relative whom he had found in Florida or to marry a U.S. citizen and acquire a green card. Jean fell into a deep depression. Our sexual relationship was off and on for the rest of the summer. In September of 2017, I decided to fast 40 days as Jesus did when he was preparing to begin his ministry on earth. During that time, I told Jean that I did not want to speak with him. He didn't like that at all. But I was desperate to be free from this ungodly situation. On day four of my fast, I'm skipping a lot of details that I do share in my book, I told my husband, I need you to forgive me. I gave my heart to someone else. His response was, I figured you had. Tears, hugs, and forgiveness. He didn't ask for details, and I didn't give him any. On day 19 of my fast, I found out that Jean had gotten engaged to a girl he had been talking to for four months behind my back who had agreed to marry him for a green card. On day 40 of my fast, he got his marriage license and was married to this girl that I didn't even know existed three days later. The day I found out he was engaged, I had a complete breakdown, not able to contain my emotions and the whole truth any longer. I sat my husband down and tearfully confessed my affair. That was the beginning of a long and painful journey of recovery that we are still on today. Jean left my city with his new bride, and I have never spoken to him again. Thank you, Sheena, for submitting this summary. I'm just very touched that you are so candid and able to share these details with us and that you're, even though, you know, when we go to religion and, you know, Christianity and, and all of that, that you slipped and it happens. And so I'm glad that you and your husband are still working on things. And I hope that um, many people get the opportunity to read your full story. So for everybody else here, I want you to please go to her website. It's www.sheenadorn, and it's spelled S-H-E-E-N-A, d-o-o-r-n dot com and check out her website and see about uh, her book and when it's available and what you can do from there and that would be a great support for people especially those of us who have been unfaithful and you know we're here to support one another again not to condone it but the fact is is people are able to come forward admit what they did and know that what they did was not right to their spouse now we have to recover from the decisions and choices we made. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there on the other side who may not understand that. And that's okay. You know, it, everybody has to cope with things in their own way.
Thank you all for tuning in today. I really appreciate it. And if you have not yet subscribed to my Patreon, I highly recommend it. Um, Not only do you get access to more amazing stories that people have shared um, and early access, but you're helping me out. You're helping me keeping this podcast going. Um, Again, it's a $3 pledge a month, and you have a lot more episodes on there to listen to. And uh, it just, it just makes things easier for me. So in advance, thank you. Um, If you have a story you would like to share, um, if you have cheated on your husband, boyfriend, partner, and you would like to talk about it, you know, please consider submitting your story. Um, If you're a husband, boyfriend who has been cheated on, and you want to talk about the things that you went through and how you found out. Uh, please submit your story and those go on our Patreon subscription. If you've been the other man, if you've been the other woman, or if you just have a story about infidelity, you know, if you have thoughts on infidelity or an interesting story that you just want to share, submit it. It may be perfect for our midweek uh, ponder episode. It may work great for our main podcast but we don't know unless you submit it. So please don't be shy. No one is being judged. And also you're always anonymous. So you just send me an email. It's uh, Rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com. You can visit my website to submit uh, your um, story there to message me. You can listen to episodes there and you can sign up for Patreon. And that website is rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com. Almost forgot my own uh, podcast uh, email or website. I think I'm done for the day. So anyways, you guys all take care, stay healthy, be happy, and always remember no judgment. Goodbye.